So today on this Christmas Eve, we're in our last week of our Christmas Spirit series in which we have basically been taking character traits that are characteristic of Christmas time and how we kind of use those things and put them into action in our life so that we can actually spread the message of Christ. Now today we're going to learn about the Christmas spirit of love. The Christmas spirit of love. Now love is obviously a huge topic because it encompasses so many different aspects of our lives. There's romantic love, there's family love, there's friendship love, there's love for God, there's love for things and places. But for our purposes today, what I want to focus is in on is the general love that we have for other people. The general love we have for other people. And the goal is this, to inspire you to share the Christmas spirit of love with the people around you so that they can see and experience the love God has given to us in his son Jesus this Christmas. Now, many people struggle with having a general love for people. Many people struggle with having a general love for people. In our culture, we see and hear from people more than ever. You know, there was a time, and some of you might remember this time, when people would only see and interact together when they were out in public. Okay, uh, Basically, we would only see people out in a public setting. But now, in our culture, we see people kind of all the time through the internet, through social media, through apps and things like that. So basically, back in the day, you only had contact with people if you were in public, if you had their phone number, or if you wrote them a letter. If you wrote them a letter, you didn't even know how they were going to respond until they wrote you one back, right? If you called them and they weren't home, you didn't get to talk to them. You finally got to talk to them when they called you back after somebody took a message. But now, in our culture, we're so connected. And that is good, right? But it can also be kind of bad. It could be positive. It could be negative. Because now what happens is people have these ideas and these things that they want to put out and they just put those things out, right? And we all see their opinions and their ideas and then maybe we weigh in with our opinions and ideas and what happens is people start to have a maybe a dislike or a disdain or even, dare I say, hatred towards other people because of the kind of public self they've communicated out. So what's changed a little bit in our culture is this, is there's really not that general respect or the general love that people have towards one another because they see so much and some of the things that they see, they start to judge each other and feel maybe thoughts of dislike towards people. So this should be no surprise. Because for anyone that knows the scripture, if you know the scripture just a little bit, one of the signs that says that we're closer to the end times is that love grows cold. Now, I want to share this scripture with you. In Matthew 24, verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will go, grow cold. So today, people have a platform that has limited accountability and in some senses, lawlessness. People can kind of say anything they want, put it out there, offend other people. People can argue back with them. And what happens is we see is love grows cold. 
people that barely know each other kind of start to argue, start to judge one another. So how do we as believers in our culture have the Christmas spirit of love? With all this going on, how do we as believers kind of navigate this? Like all of the Christmas spirit traits that we talked about in the last four or five weeks, it's actually a choice. It's actually a mindset. It starts in our mind. I want to bring you back to this passage that has come up a lot in this series. In Romans 8, 6, it says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So basically what this scripture is saying is this, when we set our mind on the fleshly things, maybe our feelings and how we feel about other people, sometimes it brings forth death. Not necessarily physical death, but maybe death to relationships, death to the way that we handle things. It's a negative. But when we set our minds on the spirit, it brings life and peace. Meaning when we focus in on the things of God and how God says we should treat and deal with other people, it brings life to these relationships. So how do we do this? How do we set our minds on the Spirit so that we show others love? And the first way that we do that is this. We think of how we want to be treated. We have to think about how we personally want to be treated. Now, most of us think of ourselves a lot, right? You wake up every morning, you think about who? You think about yourself, right? How do I feel? What do I want to do? Oh, do I feel like going to work? Do I want to go to work? Oh, I want to go back to sleep. What do I want for, for breakfast? We, we think about ourselves, and this is natural. Our first feelings and thoughts from the youngest age is really about us. So here's what Jesus does. He appeals to us because he knows the way that we are because he created us. He knows that we think about ourselves. So he says in Matthew 7 this, which you know is the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So now Jesus is basically saying here is this. You know how you want to be treated, and since you know how you want to be treated, why don't you treat other people like that? If you know exactly how you want to be treated, why don't you treat other people like that? So there's probably a long list of ways that you want to be treated, but I think we could sum up the list with this statement. And you can let me know if you agree with this or not. I would like people to treat me with love. Would you agree with that? Would you say, I would want people to treat me with love. That's how I want the people around me to deal. So I want them to have a general love for the fact that I'm a person with dignity, with value, with worth. I don't need to have special treatment, although that's nice sometimes, right? I don't need to have special treatment, but I want people to deal with me in a loving manner. I would like people, I would like people to deal with me, speak to me, and treat me with care and concern and in a loving way. About six weeks ago, I was in the state of Texas. I drove about 650 miles in Texas. I was going to a conference and we were making some other stops. And when we were first driving on the freeway there, I needed to get over to the right-hand lane. And I was using GPS, and you know how that goes. You're kind of following GPS. And I put my blinker on to get in the right-hand lane. And I looked in my blind spot and there was a car there and he faded back. I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. So I pulled into that lane and then this happened. 
the whole entire trip to Texas. If I put my blinker on, people let me in. They, and, I was, and you know, <laughs> you know that doesn't happen in the great state of New Jersey. So the whole time I was like, wow, these people are so nice. So I get to New Jersey, land at Newark Airport. Within 20 minutes, somebody told me I was number one on the Garden State Parkway. <laughs> so the problem is this. There's a problem. When we're not treated in a loving way, we have a hard time treating others in a loving way. You get that? When we're not treated in a loving way, we have a hard time. Because our response, I mean, all you have to do is get a bunch of little kids in a classroom or in, in a, in, like on a play date or something like that. And one kid hits another kid and, and it's, it all just breaks loose, right? Because then the kid hits back and then the parents talk, well, why'd you do that? Because he hit me, right? That's kind of how our earliest memories are, right? We treat people a certain way and we expect certain treatment back. So if we're not treated well, we don't treat people well back. But that's not exactly how God wants us to deal with people. Now, as an American psychologist, his name was Abraham Maslow. He wrote a paper in 1943. It was called A Theory of Human Motivation. And here's what Maslow suggested. He suggested that we are motivated by our needs. And when our needs are not met, we have a hard time functioning properly in society. So when our needs are not met, we have a hard time functioning in society. So Maslow states that every person has basic needs and puts them into a couple of categories. Physical, physiological needs, which are food, water, warmth, and rest. Safety needs, which are security and safety. So when those needs are met, we feel good because they're a need and we need those things. And now we're in America so it's, you know, we don't really worry that much about those. Like developing countries have a lot of their physiological needs are not being met. They're hungry. They're, they're you know, starving. They're, they're not secure. So there's a lot of issues there. But this is more pertinent to us because next we have psychological needs. And this is where the love thing comes in. Because he breaks these things into a couple of categories. Belonging and love needs which are relational. We all feel that need to feel love and acceptance and belonging from other people. We have esteem needs, which are we need to feel accomplished and prestige. We need to feel like I matter here. What I'm doing actually helps other people. I matter. So Maslow suggests this. He said that when our needs are met, we eventually reach what he calls self-actualization which refers to the realization of one's full potential. Maslow describes this as the desire to accomplish everything that one can do and become all that we can be, basically. So he's saying, when all your needs are met, when your basic needs are met, when your physiological needs are met, when your psychological needs are met, now you're kind of freed up to actually meet other people's needs. You're self-actualized, he would say. So in other words, when all our needs are met, we're free to meet the needs of others and function properly in society because our life doesn't revolve around getting our needs met. So here's what happens. Because some of our needs are not met, we don't feel fulfilled. We feel stressed. We feel broken. We feel upset. We feel unsatisfied. And because of that, we have a hard time following the golden rule. 
I've been treating like this all my life, so I'm going to treat other people. So you'll hear people say that. Well, I don't really know how to be a good dad because I never had a good dad. I don't know how to be a good mom because I never had a good mom. So basically, it, people use this as a cop-out, obviously. I wasn't treated well, so now I'm not going to treat. But that's not the way God wants you to continue to live. He wants you to look and say, treat others the way you want to be treated. So what do we do? Do we call Abraham Maslow and say, what's next? What should I do? You'd have a hard time doing that. He died in 1970. So here's the thing. What we do is we reach out to God. We reach out to God. And that brings us to our next point, and that is think of how God treats us. Do you know Christmas is all about God's love for us and how God treats us? Even if no one in the world helps to meet your needs, God has met your greatest need. John 3:16, most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This passage tells us that God loved, so he gave. You know this is why we give gifts at Christmas time, hey, you've been all going crazy for the last like couple of weeks, maybe for the next couple of hours, you might be to give people gifts. Well, we give the gifts because God gave us the gift that we needed. Normally, the best gifts are the ones that we need, right? Tomorrow morning, you're going to open some gifts up, especially you adults, you're going to open some gifts up. You get something you don't need. You're like, eh, where am I going to store this, Right. You're, you're like, this isn't a great gift for me right now because I don't need it. Well, we all need salvation. And the reason we all need salvation is because we are all sinners. We are all sinners and we need salvation. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the scriptures are very clear when it says, all who believe will have eternal life. Jesus meets our need for salvation by forgiving us of our sins when we trust in him. Listen to what the passage continues to go on to say. Jesus says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So God's treatment of us is not to condemn us, it's to save us. His gift to us is salvation. In fact, this verse says that we condemn ourselves when we don't believe in Jesus. We can't blame God. Okay, He's offering the gift. It's your responsibility to accept that gift from him. See, when you accept the free gift of salvation and accept God's love, your deepest needs are met. And then you can freely share God's love or the Christmas spirit, so to speak, of love with other people. You know, 1 John says it like this. We love because he first loved us. So if you are a believer in Christ, now you actually have the love of God that you can actually share with others. You can actually love God back, but you can actually share that love with others. Now, as a believer, if thinking about how you want to be treated or thinking about how God treats you 
doesn't really inspire you that much to share the Christmas spirit of love, look at what Jesus says next. Think of what Jesus commands us to do. See, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, some of us are not easily inspired. We need specific directions. So for those of you that are like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I knew the pastor was going to talk something about love. I knew he was going to talk about something about Jesus. I knew he was going to talk about like Christmas somewhere around here. Listen, Jesus also has commands for you. And what greater command than this, that we love one another, meaning we need to love our fellow believers. We are in God's family and God wants his children to show love for one another. You know what? When we do that, here's what happens. We actually can communicate God's love to other people. Because if we live in a culture where love is growing cold, but then you come to a place like this and maybe meet other like-minded believers and you kind of feel the love and the acceptance, here's what's going to happen. People will start to see something different. Be like the other groups I'm involved in or the other places I go, I don't really see the love like I see it among Christians. And granted, no church and no Christian is perfect. So you're always going to run into the unloving Christian or the rude Christian or whatever. But the goal is that we all love one another. But you know, the Christmas spirit of love should not stop at our fellow believers. We need to do this last thing that I want to talk about, and that is this. We need to think about who needs the Christmas spirit of love. Now, we realize that everyone around us has a basic need for love. That's a basic need we all have. We, we, not, we want that need of love and belonging. We have to ask ourselves this question. Who in your life can you identify this Christmas, maybe tomorrow, maybe this coming week, or maybe even this coming year, that you need to show love to. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone that you just met. Maybe the person God wants you to extend love to is not a family member or a friend. It may be an acquaintance or someone that actually has said things against God or against the faith. You know, here's what Jesus says about that. He says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's heavy, isn't it? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, this reminds me of a true story that I read about a German woman. Her name was Elizabeth, and she had a son, and his name was Fritz. It was in Germany in 1944 during World War II. It was Christmas Eve, and Elizabeth hoped her husband would be home for Christmas. So she and her son were waiting in the cabin in the woods that they had. They were actually run out of their, their normal house and they were like hiding out in this cabin in the woods. It was a cold and snowy day. And as it was getting dark, they heard a knock on the door. When Elizabeth opened the door in hopes that it was her husband, it was actually three enemy American soldiers. She was German. And it was three American soldiers at the door. One was badly wounded. They asked if they can come in for warmth. She allowed them in and quickly realized these, these men are not intending to hurt me. They're, 
They're cold, they're hungry, and one is wounded. And she felt, it's Christmas Eve. I'm going to let them in. She started to cook the meal. She started to cook a meal for them, and she heard another knock on the door. So her son, Fritz, ran to the door in hopes that it was his dad. But when he opened the door, it was three German soldiers. So Elizabeth rushed to the door, pushed her son out of the way, went outside, closed the door, because she didn't want them to see the American soldiers in the house because she knew the punishment for harboring the enemy. She explained to the men what was going on, that one of the Americans, she had three Americans in there, one of them was wounded. It's Christmas Eve. She didn't want any trouble. So the German soldier, they wanted to come in for warmth as well. So she said, there can't be any violence. Like, there has to be peace. So the one German soldier that was in charge said, it's a holy night, so there'll be no fighting. Please let us in for warmth. She said, okay, leave your weapons outside. Went inside, collected the Americans' weapons, put them outside, and said, listen, you know, we just, we just want a peaceful night. So there was tension when the men came in, but the German soldiers, one of them was a medic. He cared for the wounds of the American soldier. He said he lost a lot of blood, and if it wasn't for him being inside the warmth, he would have succumbed to frostbite because of the loss of blood. So the soldiers, Elizabeth and her son Fritz, they all ate a meal together. The soldiers stayed the night. The next morning, Christmas morning, the soldiers all woke up, and they were packing up to head out. The American soldiers were going to head back to their base camp, and then one of the German soldiers said, you can't go there. We've already taken over that camp. Here's a compass and here's a map. Here's where you need to go. The American soldiers trusted them and left. So we fast forward a little bit. Elizabeth's husband finally came home. Years later, 20-odd years later, Elizabeth and her husband died. Fritz, her surviving son, wound up getting married. He moved to Hawaii. He opened up a European bakery. This is all, like if you Google it, it's Fritz's European Bakery in Hawaii. And uh, basically, during that time, he was like, I would really love to find one of these six men, or all of them. So he kind of started putting his story out. And in 1985, President Ronald Reagan shared Fritz's story in a speech in Germany as an example of peace and love between enemies. Fast forward another 10 years, in 1995, there was a television, sh a television show called Unsolved Mysteries, and it actually ran the story on the TV show and was hoping that someone would come forward and kind of fill in the blanks and maybe one of these American soldiers or German soldiers was still living and would come forward. A volunteer chaplain at the Northampton Manor Nursing Home in Frederick, Maryland, saw the episode and said, there's an old guy in the nursing home that's been telling me that identical story. So he called up Unsolved Mysteries, and basically they connected everybody. His name was Ralph Blank. He was in this nursing home. He was the wounded soldier. He was living in Frederick, Maryland at the nursing home. Fritz got on a plane, flew out to Frederick, Maryland, and in January 1996, he met up with Ralph Blank. Here's a picture of them. So Ralph still had the German compass and the map that he received. And he said to Fritz, he said, your mother saved my life that Christmas Eve. 
You know what? When we show the Christmas spirit of love, it may give us the opportunity to tell them about how Jesus can save their life for eternity. So the call to the Christian is share the Christmas spirit of love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the love that you've shown us. We pray that we can show love to other people. I pray, Lord, tonight that if there's anyone here that doesn't trust in you, that hasn't received your gift of salvation, that hasn't accepted your love into their life, that they would do that, that they would trust you. We pray, Lord, that you would keep our minds fixed on you this Christmas so we can share the Christmas spirit with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.